This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Lord Jesus, take your word and apply it to our hearts to change our lives. For your sake, amen. So you may be seated if you're standing. So in this gospel reading, Jesus has done us an incredible favor. He has done something so helpful for us, so simple and so clear. I don't know if you ever thought of it before, but that Jesus is actually helpful. Like he wants to help us. He wants to help our lives become better. He said, I want to give you an abundant life. Actually, he's done two things in this passage that you just heard read. First of all, he gives us a purpose. He tells us what our purpose for life is. He tells us, this is what you were created to do. This is why God put you on this earth. This is why you're still alive. This is what you should shoot for before you die and leave this earth. He gives us a purpose. And then he gives us a process. He tells us how to enter into the life of purpose for which we were made. Isn't that helpful? Isn't that amazing? And he does it all in two words. Purpose, the word is fruit. Process, the word is abide. And you think, is it really that simple? And yes, it is. Living it is difficult. But Jesus didn't just give a message for the elite, for intellectuals, for the rich, for the powerful. He gave it for little people, ordinary people, children even. What is our purpose? Well, Jesus uses this stunning image. See if you can see this here. Oh yeah, there you go. There is my fruit. Doesn't that look good? I love fruit. All kinds of fruit, hundreds of kinds of fruit, especially heavy on the grapes, since that's what Jesus is actually talking about here. But Jesus says, my God, the, your Father in heaven is like a gardener. He's like an exuberant, joyful gardener. And what's he looking for? So he, he's walking through row upon row of vines. And what's he looking for? He's looking for fruit. Look at what he says in this passage. Look at the number of times. And by the way, you can read the Bible this way. You don't need to have a seminary degree to read the Bible this way. You read it carefully. You reread it. You listen. You pray it. And we'll, I'll get back to that. But notice what the key words that pop up. So in verse 2, Jesus says, or Jesus says, my father wants more fruit. And then in verse five, 4, abide in me so that you will bear, can you bear fruit. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He it is that bears much fruit. Verse 8, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you need to picture God the Father as like this exuberant gardener who every time he sees fruit, claps his hands, and I said I would never dance in church, but uh, you know, he does a little jig and he goes, fruit, I love fruit, more fruit, much fruit. This is why I made the world, how I love fruit. That's what God is like, Jesus says. Now, what did he mean by fruit? Because there's something very specific in this context. You read the context. So by fruit, let me define it this way. Fruit is what 
others see in your life because Christ is in you. Fruit is what others see in your life because Christ is in you. So if you believe in Jesus, if you trust in him, if you abide in him, well, we're going to get into that. If you make your home in Jesus, if you allow him to live in and through you, if you trust and obey him, something supernatural happens every single day of your life, every single moment of your life. The Christ life is flowing in you or through you. Now, it may not be noticeable. Sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes you won't be popular for the Christ life within you. Jesus didn't say that. But Jesus is saying that it will break through. Your children will see it. Your loved ones will see it. A skeptical world will see it. When the church takes a stand and rises up and gets skin in the game against issues like racism and loving the poor and loving the marginalized and the most vulnerable members of our human community, people will see that. People will see it. Your neighbors will see it. When you reach out to them, take the initiative to reach out to them. I, was, I always sit on my front porch, as many of you know. Father Steve says, is that the only place he, he's always on his front porch? I'm not always on my front porch, but I'm often on my front porch. And on my front porch, I can see my neighbor, Kitty Corner. So for four years, I've seen my neighbor, this young Latino family uh, with kids. And I've seen them watch them play, watch their kids grow up. And finally, in this coronavirus thing, I think, I'm just going to go over there and say hi. And the, you know what the guy says? He says, I've been... You've been on your porch for four years. You never come over and say hi to me. And I'm thinking, why does that guy never come over and say hi to me? He thought I was stuck up. He thought I was rude. We've developed a relationship. I know his name. I know his kids' names. We're going to have a party together once this coronavirus thing dies down. He asks, what do you do all day when you're, reading, you're out reading your porch? What are you reading? I go, I'm reading my Bible. He goes, oh, that's strange. We're going to have a conversation about that, I hope, in the near future. God says, I want fruit. Now, please understand, this is not a random image that Jesus is using. The whole story of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, one way to define that is the story of the vineyard who plants a vine looking for fruit. So God chooses the Jewish people. And you ask, why did he choose them? And I say, I don't know. It didn't make any sense. But he chose them. They're his chosen people. He loves them. And he wants them to bear fruit. He says, you're my vine. Bear fruit for the world. I want you to bless the world with, by bearing fruit. And here's one of the saddest things in the Bible. You can read this in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2. God looks for fruit, and he doesn't find fruit on his vine. It's heartbreaking. God is heartbroken. And now in verse 1, Jesus shows up, and what does he say in John chapter 15? He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. What's he doing? He is retelling the story of the Old Testament. The Jewish people have not been ignored. They've not been rejected. But the story is being resurrected. It's being fulfilled in Jesus. And now he's talking to his church and he's saying, I want you to be my vine. I want you to bear the fruit. Again, Israel is not rejected, but this story is being fulfilled. And Jesus says, my father and I are doing this together. 
I want you to make my name famous and glorious. And how do we do that? Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This proves that it came from a what tree? An orange tree. The orange proves that it came from an orange tree. Your fruit, what others see in your life, because Christ's life is in you, proves that you are his disciple. That's how we bear fruit. Now, I'm going to come back to this, but I want you to just stop and pause, and I, and I want you to start thinking about something. I want you to think, what do you really want? Because God is really clear in this passage about what he wants. God the Father, Jesus the Son, they're united on this. They're on the same page. They want fruit. They desire fruit. So much so that Jesus said, my fun, verse 2, he says, my Father, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it will bear more fruit. He cuts it back. He, he does something that seems painful to the vine, to the branches, so that it will produce more fruit. He wants it so much. God wants fruit in my life and in your life more than our comfort. He wants fruitfulness more than our comfort, more than our security. He wants fruit. So I want to ask you a question that we'll come back to. What do you want? Do you want a fruitful life? Is that what you desire? Just think about that. We'll come back to that. That's the purpose. Then the process. Again, so simple. One word. Abide. Abide in me and I in you, Jesus says in verse 4. If you want fruit, abide. If you want to end your life and it's a fruitful life, you have given fruit to the world, abide. If you want to avoid a fruitless life, this is really important, abide. Verse 6, there's this warning here, and I have to read it. It's an uncomfortable verse, but I can't ignore it. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, and I think what Jesus is talking about is a, a, re, a refusal a refusal to abide in me. I just won't do it. It's not that you do it poorly. It's just, I don't want to abide. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. I've been thinking about that verse all week. It seems, sounds kind of harsh. And yet, what happens when a branch comes away from a vine? That's what happens. That's just how life works. It dies. It doesn't have life in it. So Jesus is not saying anything that it just, it just, it just, that's the way the world is. But there's better news. He says, when you abide, my life is in you. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse nine, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you Abide in my love. Now, it's really important to notice that Jesus makes the first move in this. So we might be thinking, some of you might be thinking, your shame, your bad shame might be kicking in. 
Oh, I'm so bad at abiding. Oh, I've been, I just am so distracted. Oh man, my life is a wreck. Oh, I'm a disaster. I got to try harder. I got to get my act together. Well, there is a part for us to play, but notice verse three. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. What a beautiful thing Jesus has said. I've already made you clean. You don't clean up your act and then abide. I clean you up and you abide out of gratitude to my work in your life. Jesus is talking about back in John chapter 13 when he washed the disciples' feet and he said, I've given you a bath, probably a picture of baptism, saying, I have cleansed you. Isn't that amazing? You've been cleansed. You've been forgiven. That's God's part. What's our part? Our part is to abide. Abide. What does that mean? What does it mean to abide? Well, it means to remain. It means to stay connected. The best definition I've heard, though, is best translation, I think, for our vernacular today would be make your home in me as I make my home in you. What a great image. Have you ever been to somebody's house and they say, make yourself at home. It's your home. You're a guest. Now, a lot of times when people say that, you may not take them seriously. But if somebody tells me that, I take them seriously. I make myself at home because they told me to, and I don't want to dishonor my host. Put your feet up. Go to the refrigerator. Make yourself a sandwich. Smell the fresh flowers I've put on the kitchen table. Take a nap. The couch. The guest bed. Go ahead. It's your home. Do you know that in and through Jesus, you can have that intimacy with God the Father right now? You can have that? And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Same thing. But notice what else he said. He said, let me make my home in you. Let me have the run of the house in your home, in your life. What does that look like? We have a mentor who said, he defined it this way. A New Testament scholar, he defined it this way. In, in this passage, Jesus is looking for conversation partners. He's looking for listening friends. Let me define what I mean by that. So verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus is looking for people who will allow his word to make a home in them. We listen to his word expectantly, humbly, obediently, ready to obey, taking it seriously. So as Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Not just people who listen and then just go do what they wanted to do anyway, but people who actually change and arrange their lives around the word of Jesus. Let me give you an example of what this looks like in my own life. So last Sunday, it was actually last Sunday night, I had one of those really bad 
coronavirus days, evenings. I woke up at 3 a.m. and I just felt sad, disoriented, was missing people, missing hugs, missing meals. I was missing going into people's house and make myself at home and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just felt, I felt sad and I felt confused and I could not sleep. So I got up and honestly, one of the last things I wanted to do was to read the Bible. That is not what I wanted to do. I didn't wake up like, oh, wow, I want to read the Bible. But I did it as an act of obedience. And I turned to Psalm 57, the psalm you heard. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. Boom. I stop. Pause. Just that's, let that sink in. Don't move on. Let that sink in. Lord, I need mercy. I'm personalizing it. Now I'm praying it myself. Later on, I read in this psalm, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I hear those three words, awake, awake, awake. I pause. I stop. I say, Lord, I am not awake. I feel numb. I feel dead inside. I feel sad inside. I need you to awaken me. Awake me, Lord. And then I sit with that, just silent. Now, throughout the ages, the church has had fancy names for what I was doing. Some people call it contemplative prayer. Some people call it Lectio Divina, which is a Latin phrase. But here's what I'm doing. It's three things. And every Christian can do this. You're listening. You're listening to the word of Jesus for you, for your life, for your heart. You are listening. Secondly, you are asking. Based on what you're hearing in Jesus' word, you're asking. That's fuel for prayer. And then you are responding. L-A-R. Lar. Listening, asking, responding. With gobs of silence all around it. Gobs of just resting in the Lord. That's how you are abiding. And you are allowing Jesus to abide in you. His purpose in you. The purpose Jesus gave us, fruit. The process, abide. These two things, I really wanted to just preach on one of these things. But you can't. They're so intricately connected. If you want to bear fruit, you will abide. If you abide, you will bear fruit. They are just part of the same thing. So let me ask you two questions as this morning. First, what is your purpose? One of the gifts of the coronavirus is that it has gotten us to the point where we need to ask some good questions about life. We can't just flit or float or coast through life anymore. So we need to ask questions like, what do I really want? What does my heart really desire? Do I desire what God desires? That's a question I've been thinking about a lot. You know, a lot of us, I think what we really desire, if we're really honest, 
what we have been desiring. We desire security. We desire safety. No risks. Just don't take any chances. Just be safe. We desire security, safety, and survival. To pervert a phrase from the Apostle Paul, these three things remain. Security, safety, and survival. Survival is just live a long life. Live as long as you can. That's the goal of life. Oh, my friends, this just breaks my heart. I see so many of us. That's what we're living for. Just to live a long time. Would you rather live to 95 and be fruitless? Or would you rather live to 35 and be fruitful? No, don't get me wrong. I want both. I want both. You should want both. But if you had to choose one or the other, what would you choose? What would you tell God? Jesus has something better. What an incredible invitation. He says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Friends, this is worth living for. This is worth dying for. I was reading an interview from our beloved Archbishop Kwashi from Jos, Nigeria, and two times in there he said, the gospel is worth dying for. The gospel is worth dying for. <clears throat> Until we have something worth dying for, we really don't have anything worth living for. God wants you to ask that question. What, what do you really want? And ask the Lord to transform your heart. This is the work that he can do. Don't feel like you're on your own to do this. The Lord wants to do this in you. Second question is, how is your abiding If you're like me, you can confess, I've been distracted. I'm often distracted. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. I've not taken time, but <clears throat> we have an incredible invitation. So let me ask you this specifically. When are you going to abide this week? When are you going to go abide this week? What's that going to look like? And don't expect to come away with some amazing emotional, spiritual experience. That's not the point. The point is to be with Jesus. As one spiritual writer used to say, prayer is wasting time with Jesus. When are you going to waste time with Jesus? Waste time with Jesus. When is your abiding going to look like? And don't think of this as some duty because he's waiting for you. I want you in my house. If you've never asked the Lord, to be the Lord of your life. I pray that you would do that today. That you would say, Lord Jesus, I've just never known you like that. It's just all been formula. It's all been head knowledge. I want to know you as the one who abides, makes his home in me, and I can make my home in you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As a part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.